Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast inside the now renamed Fifth Third Arena, where day two of development camp is winding down. As Scott King and I record at the end of uh, day two of development camp on Tuesday afternoon, Scott King, your NHL.com correspondent, and Chelsea Blogger on WGNRadio.com, and Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host for the Blackhawks on WGN Radio. Scott, it's been a couple of weeks. We were expecting you to take this podcast one way today. But Stan Bowman, hashtag Stealth Stan, dropped another Bowman bomb today with a trade right in the middle of the first session of the development camp as uh, some of the higher-end Blackhawks prospects were taking the ice. And alas, it is uh, one that we were a lot of people were kind of expecting an Artemon Isimov being shipped off to another team. And in return, the Blackhawks get from the Ottawa Senators, Zach Smith. So... There is no shortage of downtime and rest time so far this spring and summer, as far as Stan's concerned, in reshaping this roster. And as we react to this trade and hear from Stan and Zach Smith momentarily, one common denominator is I think Stan has wanted this team to become much tougher to play against than it has been in the last couple of years. Yeah, here we go. Day two of development camp. Thought it'd be a quiet day. I just had one player to interview, and then this uh, been busy. Uh, covering this now, and you know, people thought Anisimov would get moved. They, I mean, what they've been trying to the last two seasons or so, um, because he's a guy you couldn't get something for. But yeah, Zach Smith, you know, alternate captain, uh, last two seasons with the Senators, some decent numbers, but really what what strikes you is his faceoff percentage. And he said on the ca- conference call he will play wing, he'll play center. I think he said he'd even play some goalie or D if uh, if the the Hawks asked him to. So he's really excited to be here, and it's a trade that gives them some cap room i think they save 1.3 million with it so they can go sign perlini which stands been saying he wants to do but a, a trade that like you said addresses the needs they've been trying to address in, in trying to get more physical and trying to be harder to play against and that's not just being physical that's being strong on the boards that's winning face-offs so i think again you know another not a huge move by stan but a, a positive one for sure, not just in making the team a little better, but in saving some cap space. And this is in no ways to take away from what Artem Anisimov has done during his time here in Chicago, because when you look at some of the numbers, the the statistics are, with the exception of this past season, fairly impressive because he's put together 20 goal seasons in his first, second, and third years since uh, being acquired in that trade for, for uh, Brandon Saad and, and uh, the Artemi Panarin trade as well. And um, actually, I'm sorry. Those were different trades. He was in the original. He was in the original trade. But this last season, the production took a dip. Yes, still 15 goals. And I think people were a little bit too wound up in what his salary cap number was for the role that he played. But in today's NHL, 4.5 million for what he turned into last year, which was a third line center, isn't necessarily something that's bad. And, and yes, you have the salary cap savings here in this trade, where the Blackhawks do save a bit. There's also some. Certain with Smith having uh, two more years remaining on his contract, including this upcoming one. And for all intents and purposes, Anisimov 
you want 20 goal scorers and, and he delivered that with the exception of last season his power play production took a dip after having 11 a couple of seasons ago and Zach Smith as we'll hear during his conference call he had one monster year playing alongside some fairly big names but his MO is getting under people's skin being difficult to play against and we saw that at times from Artem Anisimov and I know it sometimes followed Zach Smith as well where there have been some inconsistencies in his game where he'd flash for a series of 10 games and then you were wondering over the course of seven or eight where he was so I think from that standpoint the Blackhawks and uh, the Ottawa Senators are, are kind of swapping similar players but on the outside looking in uh, it's it's a fresh start for Zach Smith, and as we'll hear again from in a couple of minutes from him, he was kind of expecting this to happen. And with what the Ottawa Senators have been going through over the course of the last couple seasons, you know, I, I think fresh start might be something that could be an asset for him in moving to Chicago too. Yeah, you'll hear he's kind of a funny, interesting, honest guy. Like you said, he, he said the writing was on the wall. You'll hear him speak a little more about that. But another guy just really happy to come to Chicago. Knows probably that he, he will fit in. He said his um, ideal situation is he'd like to play a little wing and then some center as well because he still wants to take draws and that's that's got to be music to the Blackhawks ears because that's one of the things they've been addressing is, is getting guys who can play center, maybe not guys who will be center every night, but but like uh, a Smith or a Shaw who can slot in there mm-hmm. when need be. So, yeah, it was nice to talk to him. Or in, guys, in situations where guys are tossed out of the face-off circle and you have another guy on that line, I mean, this certainly opens up the possibility that, yes, maybe David Camp is your third-line center with Smith on that line as well, while Ryan Carpenter handles the fourth line or vice versa. But it's that kind of versatility that Jeremy Carlton and Stan Bowman have been uh, looking for in kind of reshaping this roster too. Let's hear from the Senior Vice President and General Manager Stan Bowman after this trade and uh, some of the trickle-down effects in in terms of how he has uh, approached making changes to this roster over the course of the summer. But first, his initial reaction to the trade on Tuesday afternoon. Well, they're different players. I think first off, Artie was a great Blackhawk. We wish him well. Um, I think stylistically they play different games. Both veterans, they both played in the league for a long time. Uh, I think Zach brings a different skill set to the table, something that we probably need a little bit more of. Um, versatile player, he's he's played wing and played center, which we like. Um, you know, he certainly plays with a competitive side to him. He plays with an edge. Um, he's had some years in the past when he scored a lot, but I think the thing we like about his game is the versatility, and you know, he's. Um, you notice him. He's tough to play against out there. I think the other teams um, don't find it too fun sometimes. So he's a physical player, uh, gets in on the forecheck. Um, his face-offs are pretty good as well. I think he's very good on the one side. Um, I think his, uh, but it's his competitive style that we like the most. So I think, you know, that's something we probably didn't have enough of in uh, last season. I think he can... Uh, bring that element to our team and um, like I said the versatility is nice he can play wing and center on different lines you know, he's played a couple of years back he was with um, Mark Stone and Peugeot and I think he had 26 goals you know so he can play with those guys and score um, but he also can play on more of a checking line and uh, give you a good honest effort did you need Mark Crawford's knowledge of him at all much We did, yeah. That was nice to be able to talk to Mark. He's coached him the last uh, three or four years and very comfortable. 
he spoke really highly of him. Uh, you know, Zach's a player that we've our scouts have liked for a while. We've talked about you know bringing that element to our team, and then when Mark came on board. I picked his brain a little bit and asked him how do you think he would fit in and what does he bring to the table and he raved about him as a person, um, as a teammate, as a leader and he loves his style of play too. He thinks that's something that could enhance our team game so from that perspective it it made sense. Financially does this offer a little bit more flexibility in getting Perlini re-signed as well? Yeah, I think that was a part of the deal as well, uh, a benefit. I think uh, we do save a little bit on the cap so um, we still have a little bit of work to do there, but uh, we're looking better now than we were yesterday. Do you see Zach being in the mix for the third line center role? Yeah, well, he played both. Like, I think he was more of a center earlier in his career. I think he's probably played more wing lately. Uh, like I said, I think his face-offs are, uh, he's very strong on the one side. Um, uh, so whether he's a full-time center, uh, we haven't really figured that part out. But it's nice to have that as an option. I think he could play on a third line. Uh, as a, you know, he's hard. He's a competitive guy. He's hard to play against. I think the other team, you know, he's got enough experience to play against good players and to be a responsible player. Um, also, he's got a bit of that edge that sometimes those star guys don't like to play against them. So uh, he can be used in a couple different roles. So. Uh, Versatility is a key, and I think in talking to Jeremy just earlier today, you know, he wants to get him in here and, and see him in, with our group, but you look at what he could do, and I think that could be a role for him. Trading a center, does this, I guess, open up an opportunity for David Camp more of a chance, and then even further down the line, maybe Kirby Dock, where he fits in in that position? Yeah, we have some good depth at center now. I think certainly when Strom emerged last year, I think that probably cut into Anisimov's role a little bit and uh, it was nice to see Dylan take a step forward he, he you know he, he's going to play an important role on our team and you're right David uh, is a natural center he's another one of these guys that's played a little bit of wing as well but I think David's probably more comfortable at center uh, so we have quite a few potential options there to play in the middle we talk about Zach Smith and Shaw. Carpenter's played some center. Um, Camp, Kirby as well. So uh, it's hard to map out some lines and who's going to be in what spot. But I think we have we have different looks that we could throw at the other team. And I, I think part of the training camp is going to be to find out where does everybody fit and which combinations work best. You've been kind of looking at areas, targeting areas of need that maybe weren't so strong in last last season. Are you where you need to be with that now? Have you plugged those both holes? Well, we've gone a long way. I think looking back, we ended the season, we did our, we studied what areas were strong for us and what areas we had to get better at. And I think we've made a number of moves to fill in those weaknesses. And I think at the same time, I don't know if we've really hurt what we were good at, which is we were an offensive team. We could score some goals. Um, you know, we we have some guys coming that we think can also add an offensive element. So I think we've filled in the the areas of concern from last year. With uh, the, there's been a number of moves over the past four or five weeks, some signings, some trades. Uh, when you add it all up, I, I think our team um, looks better now than it did. And uh, but training camp will show you know where that shakes out. I like where our team looks right now, though. Do you feel at all that losing Nismo hurt your power play a little bit, or 
Um, he was a good front, net front player. I already was. Uh, he wasn't on our top unit. The unit that did all the scoring for us was with uh, Strom in front of the net. And uh, you know, I, they'll probably get a chance to start the year. That that group of five with Gustafson at the back and Taves and Kane as well in Dembrinkit. So those five were probably going to get the if first crack at the the top power play unit. Uh, things will change over the year, I'm sure. Uh, I don't think that will be our one unit all year. So uh, Anisimov didn't have a big role on the power play. He was on that second unit. So I think we've got a lot of candidates that could play that role next year. Um, so I don't know if it's gonna that would play a big role. A lot of the guys you brought on this offseason have multiple years left on a contract. What what consideration was that? I guess in acquiring them and I guess weighing that with you know what you have to pay next summer possibly. Uh, well, we have a, I guess you call it cost certainty. We know, you know, the, the challenge you have is when you have players, they're going to be getting big raises. But I think that we've only got a couple of players that are going to be jumping up next year. So I think we can plan for that, and it's a very manageable amount. So it wasn't specifically our only plan, but that that factored into some of the deals, knowing you've got some cost certainty and none of these deals are really exorbitant they're all pretty manageable contracts for the next couple of years and um you know I, I think so from that perspective knowing what they were signed to helped us plan both players 31 years of age as they make the street fairly close in age and in birthdays too and uh, zach smith Oh, we mentioned had that 2015-16 season in which he scored 25 goals, but it was more like a Cy Young season, 25 goals and 11 assists there. Beyond that, his most uh, the highest offensive production that he's had during the course of his entire career with the Senators, which began uh, really at about age 21 or so with a cup of coffee. He's had, uh, what, 16 goal seasons, 14 and 13. And I think if the Blackhawks get something similar to what – Artem Anisimov gave them production-wise and what he has been sh- uh, capable of showing in some of his more normal seasons, uh, they, they'd certainly take that. And let's now hear from uh, the newest Blackhawk as well. And he starts off this portion of the conference call, and you hear some Q&A with some of the uh, Blackhawks uh, media and beat people here at Fifth Third Bank Arena as uh, they conducted this conference call on Tuesday afternoon, first talking about his capability of playing any forward position, whether it's center or uh, playing a wing and slotting in at center whenever necessary, and I think he also expresses his overall joy to uh, have a change of scenery and be moving to the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, I'm just excited beyond words to to be playing for Chicago, so if they want to put me in, in goal or on D, I'd be happy with that too, but um, yeah, any center wing is, is fine with me. Four years ago, you had 25 goals. Three years ago, 16 goals. What just what happened in those two years? Was it a matter of opportunity? You can talk a little bit about that, I guess. Yeah, I think it's um, you know it was kind of dependent on the situation and, and the role I was playing. But I'm not gonna. <laughs> I don't have delusions about it. The year I scored 25, I was playing with Mark Stone. It was, it was a dream to play with him and and Pajot, and we had some great chemistry. And um, you know, it's just I've always been kind of a streaky goal scorers um you know the last year was last year you know it was a little better year the year before that it um you know some injuries and 
you know, wasn't feeling very confident. And, um, you know, as any hockey player will tell you, confidence is everything. And I feel last year I was, I started to slowly get it back and, um, you know, I'm feeling better physically too. So it's, um, you know, it, was, it, it became a process. And, you know, after two years ago, they weren't happy. I was put on waivers. That was definitely a wake up call. And, you know, I, I felt when I wasn't scoring that I wasn't contributing, but, um, you know, at this point, I know what what my what my game brings, and um, you know, I pride myself on being defensively a responsible player. And, um, you know, I just, I've learned not to worry too much about the the goal production or the point production. And, um, you know, and over the last two years, I've been you know more of a the shutdown role, which I was I was more than happy to play. And you know, once I kind of grab my head around, you don't have to you don't have to put up big points. And I think my my game finally started uh, improving a bit, you know, from the from the tough season I had two years ago. Expanding on what you were just talking about, uh, certainly the Blackhawks wanted to improve defensively and on the penalty kill. What can you bring in those areas that you think will be able to help the team? You know, like you mentioned, penalty kill would, would definitely be one of the, um, you know, I, I'd consider my stronger points of the game. I, I take a lot of pride in it. I enjoy um, you know, playing against top lines and, and killing penalties. And, um, I think I've, you know, I've improved on that, especially over the last, last couple of years. And, um, you know, they talking to, to Stan and Jeremy, um, this morning quickly, they, they said the same thing that, um, you know, we want to be more responsible defensively. And, you know, that's why we brought you in. And, uh, I am more than happy to, to accept that role. And, you know, help in, in any way possible. How much are you looking forward to continuing a relationship with Mark Crawford? You know, I had a, a great time playing for Mark when, when he was in Ottawa. And, um, you know, it was, it was a tough year for, for both of us when you don't make playoffs and back-to-back years. And, you know, they looked to the players, they looked to the coaches. So I'm excited to, to have a fresh start with, with Mark. And, um, you know, I think if he had anything bad to say I probably <laughs> trade probably wouldn't have gone through so um so it's uh I'm excited to start I've, you know I have a good relationship with Mark in, in Ottawa so it's, I'm excited that there's you know some familiarity between at least one of the coaches and um you know not just have to go on a um you know total total uh clean slate so it's nice uh that I'm kind of familiar with, with Crow and that he is with me. There's your newest Blackhawk, Zach Smith, and uh, you mentioned uh, the familiarity with Mark Crawford. I asked Dan Bowman the same thing about uh, being able to work with Crawford in Ottawa. And I think it helps any player to have have that familiarity factor with a, a fresh face, not not a not so fresh face that he's seeing here, a guy he can talk to. And you heard Stan Bowman say a little bit earlier that uh, he did pick Mark Crawford's brain with the kind of player that Zach Smith was, even though they liked him for a number of years already and props to the Blackhawks media relations department for, for bringing out what looked like a karaoke machine type speaker to instead of the usual dial in conference call since everybody was gathered here anyway they just brought in a large speaker they connected a phone to and we were uh, all able to ca- uh, ask our our uh, I don't know, uh, scintillating questions for, for Zach Smith. So they were able to put that together. What a day in Chicago. You have, you have the in-person conference call for the Blackhawks beat media and, and chance the snapper is, uh, is also captured, 
uh, in the Humble Park Lagoon. So a day that will live in infamy here. It's safe to go back in the water in Chicago. <laughs> go dip your toes in a pond now. <laughs> yeah, the first uh, first live conference call, we were told by John Steinmiller of the Blackhawks, who said he just found that like karaoke machine somewhere around uh, what's now Fifth Third Arena here, just maybe in a janitor's closet or something. But it, it did the trick. I thought it worked well, and I, I think everyone will think the audio was fine. It was uh, interesting. It almost seemed like, you know, when the, with the president in like, the war room, you had all the reporters crowded around <laughs> the, uh, the karaoke machine. It was funny. Let's clarify. It wasn't necessary. It was. It was a speaker that, that could potentially be used for a karaoke machine. But we'll, we'll just paint it that way. I disagree for for, for uh, fun purposes. But they got the job done. Now we didn't get a chance to uh, do a podcast after Stan's most recent trade prior to what he pulled off on Tuesday, and that was a, a week prior, or maybe it was last Monday, in which uh, he opened some eyes and traded Henry Yoki Haru to the Buffalo Sabers in exchange for Alex Nylander, a, tw- a number eight overall pick back in 2016 who just has not been able to pan out uh, for the Buffalo Sabres as a handful of NHL games under his belt, but uh, really a lightning rod in terms of how the Buffalo media looked at him as a player. I think uh, they won't come out and say it, but in terms of maybe the way some Sabres management or hockey operations uh, viewed Nylander and his progress or lack thereof in Buffalo. And Henry Yoki, a player that I thought a lot of people thought, you know, would certainly be a candidate for this defense. But something just seemed to happen over the course of last season. And, and, you know, I I don't know if, if... it was strictly a case of the Blackhawks wanting him to round out his game, become more adept at every situation as he did in Rockford, or whether you know they thought there was a limit to Henry's ceiling. But no matter what that may be, any speculation may be, when you look at what the Blackhawks have defensively going into this season as well, you can make the argument that Henry should be a part of the top six, and I, I can certainly understand that. But when you already have the acquisitions of Dahan and Mata, you have Keith and Gustafson who are going to play, and uh, you also have um, Brent Seabrook there as well who is going to have to play, along with Connor Murphy who had himself a solid season last year. Um, I, I don't know if Henry's the type of guy where you can necessarily count on him to be a part of that seventh defenseman, have him sit and watch. You wanted him to play. Now, now, granted, there was the opportunity for him to do that in Rockford full-time this season, but I think a combination of perhaps where Henry's ceiling was long-term compared to some of the prospects that they're excited about coming down through this system in the Boquists and the Mitchells, who you'll hear from in a moment, in the Nicholas Bodans, and even a couple of other guys longer term, Alex Vlasic being one of them, there was definitely a logjam at that position for the future, and maybe with what the Blackhawks already had in place this season and the capability of a Cuckoo or a Dahlstrom to be able to slide in when needed in an emergency in that uh, seventh defenseman role. I think that also had to play a factor in this when we kind of scratch our heads and wonder why Henry Yokiharu is no longer a Blackhawk. Yeah, I agree. It was a combination of things, and you made a good point with acquiring Mata and Dehan, that For me, that put the nail in the coffin with he was definitely going to get traded because he wasn't quite 
ready to play a full season yet. You go back to last season, under Joel Quinville, he's playing a lot of games. You see some poise, you see a skating ability, a good shot. A little bit of confidence missing there, especially when he's got to play as a defensive defenseman. That That's where he needed to work, and that's why he went to Rockford for a big chunk of the season. I think it's also fair to say people realize with the, the timing that it, it could have been a uh, the coaching change and, and a coach's decision that he did need to work on those areas of his game for a long time. And with the, those acquisitions they made, um, they just wanted guys that can play defense and play defensively now. So I didn't. I don't think they wanted him to go to Rockford for another season. Again, if he improved in Rockford, they already have these guys that they expect to be ready mm-hmm. and be playing every night. So he just doesn't fit in. Maybe big picture, it's going to be better off for him because he could have just sat there in Rockford again if he didn't get traded. Yeah, I, I have no doubt that that he he could have handled the job up here. But then when you look at the potential as well for who may be down there in Rockford on the development scale and how high is the ceiling on some of these guys like Boquist and Bodan and they probably want to take a a longer look at uh, the likes of of Chad Chris and a couple of other guys down there Um, I I can see I can certainly see both sides of the argument here Um, but part of that argument as well is what they did with the trade and acquiring Alex Nylander you have that faction saying, well, you should have instead tried to get a high draft pick, or you should have coupled it with perhaps another contract to open up salary cap space, which, in fact, that other contract everybody was talking about ended up being dealt here on Tuesday in Artem Anisimov. But Nylander is an interesting, interesting case here because, yeah, he's never reached that number eight potential star status that everyone seemed to think he had in a family that has a very high NHL pedigree. Michael played here years ago with the Blackhawks, and uh, we all know his his brother in Toronto went through that contract situation, but also very talented, has a very high upside in Toronto. And when it comes to Alex, when we were talking to him on Monday after the uh, first session he took on the ice, and props for him, he didn't have to come out here to prospect camp and participate, but with a new team, wanted to make a good impression, probably was very aware of what his reputation had been in Buffalo, and he decided to come out here and be a part of this this week and try to get himself adapted. And Scott, I don't, I don't know if you got this impression or not, but when he was talking with the media, both at the conference call at the time of the trade and after that first session on Monday, um, there seems to be a little bit of an, I don't, I, I don't know if attitude is the right word, but it's a chip on his shoulder. And I, I'm trying to judge now whether that's a chip on his shoulder based on the way or the perception of the way he was treated in Buffalo or whether that's something he has had all along and that may have rubbed people in Buffalo the wrong way. Either way, it seems like he's a motivated player and based on the rap on him, motivation should be a good thing if he's going to reach his potential. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the jury's out on that for now, at least. You're going to as we deal with him, as you see how he plays through camp, through training camp, um, that, that'll come to light. But I, I think it was a good move on him to come to this camp because I think that's one of the things that rubbed people the wrong way and maybe added or, again, put the nail in his coffin to nail in the coffin to his reputation in Buffalo was that he didn't go to that camp. And whether he disagreed that he had to go or, or the team really did feel like uh, that he should go and weren't just punishing him, you know, that's 
that's between those guys. But it, it was a good move coming here. At least he's starting things out on the right foot here. Say, you know, why not? They just traded for me. I'm going to show what I do here, and I'm a, te- I'm a team player. I'm a team guy. I'll jump through the hoops you need me to jump through. Stan Bowman uh, uh, just raving about his skill set, which has yet to be fully realized during with the opportunities that he's gotten. And, and with that alleged skill set, you would like to see the numbers be even better than they had been at Rochester in the AHL. But uh, you can see it out on the ice during the first couple of days of, of development camp too. The tools are there. The size is there. You know, even even when we were talking to him on Monday afternoon, and now it's a matter of putting it all together. And you hope that the Blackhawks have the kind of people in place that can tap into that, that can bring out the best in him. You know, Dylan Strome is the comp, but uh, I think one little difference in the Dylan Strome narrative is that he was productive down in the AHL, much more so than Nylander has been. So now it's now it's up to the Blackhawks to try and bring that best out of him. Look, when everyone in Buffalo was complaining about the trade or, or advising the Hawks and Hawks media and Hawks fans that they shouldn't have made the trade, I went and looked for some video of him, and, you know, everyone has some good highlights on YouTube. You know, even I do from street hockey. No, I don't. Uh, but yeah, look those up. <laughs> but, it, no, things he does well that were noticeable. There was a, uh, I think he was in maybe under 18 uh, juniors in, um, in 2017, and, and there were some highlights that uh, goes in that a lot as a real quick release. So I think, you know, given a chance, I, I think you can see some good offensive uh, skills from him for sure. The competition is going to be interesting and amazing to watch come training camp because there is just kind of a, a log jam as we await here on Tuesday afternoon, you know, uh, expecting a Brendan Perlini deal to eventually come through. But, you know, when you when you start thinking of some of the other candidates here from the Nylanders to the Sakuras to any number of other guys who are going to be in competition, especially for those bottom six roles in camp, it is going to be a fascinating watch. And... You know, you hope competition brings out the best uh, in people, and, and in the end, the best person should win as far as that's concerned. We'll see if Alex Nylander can uh, at least uh, reach the kind of level that Brother William in Toronto and his dad Michael uh, years ago uh, was or eventually able to attain. Now, we were going to do this podcast as well and have you listen to a little bit of Kirby Doc and listen to a little bit of Adam Boquist. May bring that to you a little bit later in the week and, and go into a, a their performances and how they look a little bit more later in the week but uh, one of the storylines coming into this camp was Ian Mitchell and a lot of people think he is at bare minimum ready right now to play for Rockford of the AHL after two impressive seasons in Denver well he decided shortly after his team made the Frozen Four and that he was going to be captain if he was going to return for a junior year, that he would, in fact, do that and bypass and continue the clock ticking uh, on his eligibility here to be signed to an entry-level contract with the Blackhawks. But um, he, he is an impressive guy in terms of his overall game, but he's remained consistent in his message. You'll hear that in my conversation with him uh, that happened on Monday afternoon here one-on-one in just a moment. But he met everyone with the media, and he is in a position where he has continued to express his desire and his full intention to sign with the Blackhawks. But I think he has a passion for going back one more year as the captain at Denver to see what he can do. And, and there are reasons for it, too. Yeah, talking about honest players, and, you know, I, I thought that was one of the admirable 
qualities about him, maybe since we've been talking to him, but especially now as he has this outlook that he's not ready yet. He has uh, a mindset for how good he wants to be in college next year. He wants to be one of the best players. And, you know, I, I guess with wanting to sign later and not next year, he doesn't want to go to Rockford. He wants to sign and play right with the Blackhawks when he's done with his third year at Denver. So let's listen to this uh, conversation I had with Ian Mitchell. You'll hear also his react to the Henry Yoki Haru trade. He was the second round pick in 2017 after Henry was the first round pick. And you hear him talk a little bit more about his uh, growth over the past year, the reasons a little bit more in depth for his decision to return for a third year at Denver. But we begin when I ask about what the past three and a half months have been like him lacking competitive hockey since uh, he and Denver were knocked out in the Frozen Four. I've been in Denver training with, with my teammates and our strength coach down there. So, uh, and we have a great program there with, with ice time and, and time in the gym as well. So uh, we've been down there and it's been a great summer for me to put on strength. As you look back a year from now, what a year ago, what were your goals setting into your soft year at Denver and how close did you come to accomplishing that? Uh, well first and foremost we wanted to win a national championship and you know we came pretty darn close losing in the in the frozen four there so uh, that was definitely a heartbreaking loss but uh, you know I was just really happy with how our team developed and we were able to prove people wrong Not a lot of people thought we were going to be able to make it to that point and for us to be that successful is you know a testament to you know our young guys and also our head coach David Carl. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the two years at Denver well, what's kind of like the how important is it to have a smooth communication between the people you know here at the Blackhawks and identifying things that they see in your game, whether it's to work on or complimenting? And the same thing with Coach Carl. How, how smooth does that have to be in, in, in making that communication all on the same page? Oh, I think it's it's extremely important just having that you know free-flowing communication. Just I mean, this is where I want to be next year. So um, Barry Smith and Mark Eaton are at, are at our games a lot and they talk to my coaches and you know, they have good dialogue back and forth about uh, you know what they think I need to work on. I think it's mostly the same things on both sides, just uh, being stronger defensively and uh, just maintaining, trying to be aggressive. <laughs> excuse me, aggressive every shift and trying to be a difference maker. So, uh, you know, both sides I think have been great in, in that communication with me. You probably don't need me to tell you that you opened some eyes here with the quick decision that you made after you decided to go back for your junior year at Denver. But uh, how did you go about weighing that and and come to the conclusion that you finally did? Uh, I mean, like I, I've said, it's it was a very hard decision. My my goal has always been to play in the NHL, and um, I just didn't necessarily feel that I was ready to leave yet just with my product on the ice and, and also with, with my attachment still to Denver. I just felt that one more year was, was really going to be good for me just – uh, to hone my game, and so when I do make the jump at the end of this year, I'm I want to be ready to play and ready to be an impact player in the NHL. And uh, I just felt was talking to other guys that have left after two years or after three years. The guys that maybe left after their third year felt that that third year was very beneficial to them. Um, guys like Troy Terry, Dylan Gambrell, who I played with my my freshman year, who played three years at Denver and then left to their teams. They felt that that third year was was huge for them to to be impact players. So I took that into consideration too because uh, those, their opinions matter a lot to me. And um, this was a big decision for me to go back. And uh, I'm going to be the captain, which is obviously a huge honor for myself. And uh, so I just I just felt like taking all those things into consideration, I thought that me going back was was a good decision. And my first two years there, I've, I've developed at you know, a high rate. So I don't see any reason why that won't continue in my third year. Maturity and patience is sometimes hard to come by with guys <laughs> your age, you know? Yeah, I guess so. That's uh, you know, I talked to a lot of people, too, that helped me out through the way. So uh, it was definitely a... 
a group decision. Yeah. I mean, there's been some talk that that door may still be open, but in in your mind, it would be difficult to even do that, especially you're going to be wearing the C and, and, and for the reasons you just gave to. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that uh, it'd be difficult. I'm sure that I'll talk to uh, the organization this week, but uh, I'd say that uh, it'd be difficult for me to, to change my mind just based on all those things. And uh, given that I've kind of already made, made my decision or said what I was going to do, it'd, uh, it'd be difficult for me to change that, I'd say. How close did you get with Henry uh, during the, the two years you guys were both prospects together? And uh, how surprised were you at the, the news last week? Yeah, well, he and I developed a great relationship, I'd say, just from getting to know each other over the past couple of years. So uh, it was definitely surprising to you know see the trade go down. But at the same time, I guess that's that's how professional hockey works and, and trades happen. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely hard to see him go. But, I mean, I wish him all the best in Buffalo. There's no doubt Ian Mitchell put a whole lot of thought into this, even though it was a quick decision. But I thought it fascinating that he went to the lengths to talk about some of the other alums at Denver picking their brain about the value of having that third year. And granted, Dylan Gambrell and Troy Terry aren't NHL stars yet. And, you know, they aren't even necessarily full-time players. But they talk about the difference that third year made for them. They've each gotten cups of coffee and played certain amount of stints here in the NHL with uh, Anaheim and San Jose. But uh, he really went to great lengths to uh, investigate this and you know, make it an informed decision on him party, his part, even though Blackhawks fans and maybe some Blackhawks brass selfishly think that they'd like to have him here in their back pocket. But he's making no bones about it. He fully intends after this season to become a Blackhawk. And I didn't get a chance to talk about one more thing, and, and you guys did when you talked to him on Tuesday about his observation in watching the NHL postseason this year. That's one of the things he said that convinced him to uh, stay another year at Denver was watching NHL playoffs. Now, you know, there's there's the on ice things that you determine if a guy's ready or not for the NHL. And for me, in talking, especially to Mitchell on Tuesday and Doc before, who was just drafted a very high draft pick this year, one of the newest uh, prospects, as well as Bachvist, and you know this from from sports more than me, is there's guys who demonstrate that they're ready for the media obligations, they're ready for the fans, they're ready for the expectations, how they conduct themselves, like a pro, like a Marion Hosa. And for me, those three guys, and especially Mitchell on Tuesday, demonstrated that. Respectful guys, thoughtful guys. And uh, I thought, yeah, how many how many prospects do you know are going to not, not only say, you know, maybe I should wait because I'm not at that level yet, but watch the playoffs where the best players on the best teams are playing for the Stanley Cup, the most competitive time in maybe all of sports and say I can't do that yet I'm not going to do that so I, I thought this was very admirable not that just that he's not ready and who wouldn't jump at the chance to I'm still waiting for my contract who who, who wouldn't just jump at the chance to go but he wants to uh, like I, I pointed out earlier wants to be one of the best play, players in college and he wants to be a difference maker as soon as he gets in the NHL so just uh, really interesting that he's that kind of guy that kind of figures that no I'm not going to be an excellent player yet I'm going to wait and a very thoughtful guy yeah as, as I brought up to his face there during our interview, uh, the maturity and patience that he is exhibiting isn't found in a whole lot of guys his age, and he's he's been able to do that. And speaking of maturity and patience, the kids are starting to come out on the ice, and we don't mean some of the Blackhawks prospects, but real young kids here. That girl has to be about two to three years old skating like the wind right now. But better than either of us combined uh, so far. Um, so our day started where... 
We finally got the opportunity our, at long last to take our producer, Joe Romano, as a thank you out to lunch. We probably actually own about four or five more lunches. But yes, we decided to take him to Palace. Um, it's, he wanted to come check out Development Camp as well once he was done with the Cochrane Show in the morning. And um, he got a full dose of the Palace. And when I mean full dose, you have yourself a nice hearty meal and you have yourself a nice hearty slice of George the owner. And George didn't miss any tricks in, in reintroducing. They had been introduced before, I think, but reintroducing himself to Joe. Yeah, it's, it's, we, owe, we owe Joe a lot, so it was nice to take him out and we had a great time. But it's one of those things where, you know, you have, like, your things that you like. They're a big part of your life. And you, when you introduce one of your friends or colleagues, you want them to get, like, the full experience. That's exactly what Joe got today. He got, you know, he got the good uh, palace food. He got, got George coming over, sitting down, telling um maybe a quarter of the jokes that he has in his uh, bag of jokes that n- none of which we, we can repeat on the podcast. Quote, quote unquote, colorful. Colorful. <laughs> colorful, some, some color commentary that would make uh, Troy Murray blush. Uh, but no, just, just great. George is the best, and, and he loves when, whether it's uh, members of the media or, or Hawks fans come in. He has so many great stories about knowing the players and their families, and it was great to, to introduce Joe to the Palace and all its glory. George Uncensored. is that uh, Maybe that's what the Palace Grill <laughs> should be called now george uncensored but uh yeah we thank we thank him for his hospitality and uh thanks once again to joe for doing his uh, yeoman's work uh producing the blackhawks crazy podcast well uh, i think we're going to likely come at you with another one because uh, jeremy colleton scheduled to speak on wednesday we may talk to one of the current blackhawks ahead of summer league action which has resumed here uh now in its second week on wednesday nights here at fifth third arena when some of the pro players and some of those close to being pro and college players, they get an opportunity to play against one another, although it's not exactly hard hitting or anything like that. But um, maybe we'll get a chance to talk to a current Blackhawks player as well, not only hear from him and Jeremy, and maybe give you those conversations that we had with Kirby Doc and Adam Boquist as well. So we want to thank you for listening once again to a fresh and, yes, another trade discussion version of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Invite you to join us and follow us along on Twitter. Scott's at, at Scott King Media. I'm at, at Bowden Tweets. And also follow along on the Blackhawks Crazy Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Blackhawks Crazy. And also follow all of uh, Scott's work on WGNRadio.com. The Chelsea blogger. Look at the little two foot girl and pick. Oh, she just went down. But there's nothing I can laugh about because that, that's me. And she, she lasts on her skates a lot longer than I can. Again, Thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll talk to you a little bit later in the week as development camp progresses.